You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. If you're tuning in, God bless you, because uh, it was a rough one for the Colts yesterday. Indianapolis suffered their worst loss in recent memory with the playoff berth on the line. The 9-7 Colts lost to the 2-14 Jaguars, 26-11. I, myself, Joe Hopkins, and Mike Chappell, we're going to do a quick little game recap and then give our reaction to the loss and a few takeaways as well. Before before we do that here, Mike, how are you holding up? I'm holding up well. Uh, you said the worst loss in recent memory. It's In my mind, it's the worst they've had regular season-wise. Playoffs are different. But with all this on the line, playoffs, you know, continued growth of the organization against the worst team in football. And to, to this didn't come down to a late field. It came down to a, you know, four quarters of just getting beat up. So th- this is this is the worst game I can think of regular season since they moved here. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you here. It's it, it, We'll get into it, but they had every reason to win against a Jaguars team that had just been terrible all year long. It, it, and it looked flipped. I mean, the Jaguars looked like the team that was about to go into the playoffs, and the Colts looked like they were in for the first pick in the draft. But we'll go ahead and just jump right into it here. Uh, the Colts stunk from the very first drive. Second play of the game, uh, Mohamed sacked Trevor Lawrence to set up third and 13. But the Jaguars would convert with a 17-yard pass to Marvin Jones. The Jacks were 3 of 3 on third down on this drive alone. The 12th play, 75-yard drive ended with a 2-yard Laquan Treadwell touchdown catch. And just like that, the Jags were up 7 to nothing. Colts' first drive ended with a turnover on downs after Wentz can't connect with Jack Doyle on 3rd and 2. And then Jonathan Taylor is stuffed on 4th and 2 at the Jags' 42-yard line. Mike, I mean, the momentum after the first few drives was strictly in the Jaguars' hands. We talked last week on the podcast that in a game like this, it was just imperative to come out and set the tone and and, and don't give the Jaguars a reason to believe they could be competitive. And and the Colts did just the opposite. They gave them every reason. Defensively, no answers. And offensively, the fourth and two stuff, I mean, there was nothing there. Nothing. So uh, when you start like that, all you're doing is giving a really, really bad team a reason to believe, and it only got worse from there. It did. The Jaguars take over with the ball. Thankfully, a holding call on second and nine set them back, and they would end up having to punt. Uh, The Colts ensuing drives, we saw one of the lone bright spots from Indianapolis here. Carson Wentz threaded the needle to T.Y. Hilton over the middle for 33 yards on third and seven. This drive actually would reach Jacksonville's 11-yard line, but on second and one, Jonathan Taylor loses two yards when he tries to bounce it outside. And then Carson Wentz is sacked on third and three. The Colts would settle for a field goal to make it a 7-3 ball game. The defense continued to give Trevor Lawrence all the time he wanted to throw. He picked his way all the way down to the Indianapolis four-yard line. But on third and two, his pass from Marvin Jones does not stay in bounds. Jaguars kick a field goal from the four, 10-3. Jags extend their league back up to seven. Three minutes before the half, will the Colts score? Nope. Carson Wentz is sacked on first down, and the Colts go three and out. 
but it doesn't stop there. With a minute 30 left, the Jags drive down to Indy's two-yard line and will end up settling for a field goal after LaVisca Chenault dropped a would-be touchdown. Uh, 13-3 at halftime, and Micah could have been a lot worse for Indianapolis. They went into the locker room and you know, I was thinking at this point in the game, there, there had to be some strong words being said in that Colts locker room. I really thought a more inspired team would come out for the second half. Yeah, somebody needed to be turning over tables and saying, what the heck's going on? 13-3, it should have been 21-3. to Remember, those two drives stopped at the four and the two-yard line. So uh, th- that's that's what was so discouraging. But still, you go in at halftime 13-3, you get the ball. To start the second half, you think, you know, let's come out and score. Let, let's sort of set the tone again. Didn't happen. It did not happen. The Colts, like you said, got the ball to start the second half, and they're trying to put the first half behind them. But on first down, Carson Wentz is sacked and fumbles the ball, recovered by Jacksonville. Replay showed that Wentz was trying to get rid of the ball to avoid the sack because, of course, he can't just play for second down. Mike, those, those are kind of the circumstances where Wentz all season has shown that he just tries to do too much sometimes instead of just taking a sack and playing for the next down. There are times that the defense just wins, and you have to accept the fact that they, you know, they got me on that one. And you kept thinking that at some point he would realize that he's too deep into his career to still make these panicky plays. Again, sometimes the play's over, and the better quarterbacks, the effective quarterbacks, understand they got me on that one. I'll take the sack, and we won't make it worse. And he made it worse with the with these trying to do something when there's nothing there. Yeah, I remember, you know, obviously I'm not trying to compare Carson Wentz to Peyton Manning, but I remember Manning back in the day would just fall down sometimes and say, I don't want to take a sack. I don't even want to take the hit. I'm just going to go down on my own. Um, maybe Car- Frank Wright will show Carson Wentz some of that tape during the offseason. Uh, Jags take over after the fumble on Indy's 23, but the Colts defense holds tight and has the Jaguars kick yet another field goal. It's 16-3 to at this point. Colts need to kick it into gear, and Jonathan Taylor picks up 31 yards on a couple runs, but then a Jack Doyle holding call brings them back, and the Colts can't recover from first and 20. They end up punting the ball away, in Sanchez's, uh, Rigoberto Sanchez's punt travels just 33 yards. So the Jaguars take over at the 20 rather than pinned inside the 10 like we had seen so many previous times from Rigo earlier this year. Thankfully, the Colts defense would force a three and out and give the offense the ball back. But on the first play of the drive, Carson Wentz throws a pass right to a linebacker. Uh, the ball was intended for a Mo Alley Cox, but I... Uh, he must have just not even seen that linebacker at all because Mo Cox was not even slightly open. It's Carson Wentz's first road interception of the season, a year in which, for the most part, Wentz had done a good job taking care of the ball. Uh, Jaguars take over now and go 43 yards in five plays and have a third and goal at the three. The snap is high, and, Car- and Trevor Lawrence has to tip the ball to himself to corral it. A blitzing Kari Willis is right there in position to make a play, but he doesn't. Trevor Lawrence eludes him and then finds Marvin Jones in the back of the end zone. It's now 23-3 to with three minutes left in the third quarter. Mike, I think this was 
kind of reminiscent of the entire game for the Colts. I mean, they had opportunities to make plays. Kari Willis was right there to sack Trevor Lawrence or at least make him throw the ball away, but couldn't make it happen. Willis really had a rough game in this one. Um, and the Colts defense just didn't make enough plays. It was reminiscent of uh, against the Raiders where on a big, was it a third and 10 play where Darius Leonard came in on a blitz and, and he, and he never he he, he kind of jumped didn't even get a hand on Carr, and it cost him the game. So it, it's I just can't think of plays that were made, you know, especially defensively. So it, it was that, that's what's so discouraging. This is a team that had seven Pro Bowl players, seven a league high, and I can't think of play, outside of Jonathan Taylor, I can't think of one that made a positive play. So you know it's it's discouraging and. You know, again, twenty-three to three, and at that point, I'm thinking, no, they they've done too much wrong, and there's just not enough possessions left to get something done because they hadn't given you any spark at all to think that maybe they could kick it in gear. So this was going to be miserable to the very end. Yeah, it really was. One of the few players who did perform well in this game, at least. Uh, on special teams was Isaiah Rogers. He brought a kick return, 41 yards, to set Indianapolis up at the 45. He actually had 99 yards on three returns uh, that day. Gave Colts good field position on several occasions, but they just couldn't do anything with it, and they wouldn't on this occasion. Um, it takes the Colts over five minutes to get from the 45 down to the one-yard line. On fourth and one, Jonathan Taylor stuffed on a run up the middle, the Colts' offensive line was just dominated all day long. Uh, that would basically be the ball game. Jags would go three and out on their next drive. The Colts would then go four and out and turn it over on downs on their next drive. Um, Jacksonville tacked on one more field goal. And then Michael Pittman Jr. got a garbage time touchdown and two-point conversion once the Colts finally decided to start giving him the ball. But this game ended miserably, 26-11. to the Jaguars not only got the win, but they keep the first pick in the draft because Detroit beat Green Bay. Uh, a, just a great day for Jacksonville there. Um, two spots below them will be Houston picking third after they lost to the Titans. And then Tennessee, uh, just just kind of salt and wound for Colts fans. Tennessee locked down the first uh, seed in the AFC by beating Houston. They'll have a first round bye as Derrick Henry continues uh, to recover from his foot injury. Uh, Mike, it's time to give some reaction to this game. Just two weeks ago, before the Raiders game, Colts had a 97% chance at making the postseason. That's according to 538.com. Just an absolutely unbelievable collapse over the last two weeks. The Raiders game stung, but this game just really strikes deep. And we talked to players in Frank Reich today, and and one of the main questions is, did not looking back, did you get any indication this was coming, that there was something missing? The Raider game, they all admit that maybe it wasn't the greatest week of preparation, but then everybody says, no, we, we got our act together. The Raiders game was sort of a wake-up call, and, and then this happened. So I don't know. Did, did, did this team just simply run out of gas emotionally after you know coming back from the 1-4 and four start? I don't know. But to have two opportunities against – you know, the, the Raiders make the playoffs. The Jacks, the Jaguars don't. Like you said, what a day. You not only spoil the Colts' day, but you still get the first pick in the draft. So I, I, I know the fan base is upset. 
irate is it probably a good good uh, word for it. But again, it's just hard to believe that a team that had beaten New England and Arizona loses to the Raiders in Jacksonville. I, I stick around long enough, you'll see everything. And so now that's add one more thing that we didn't think we'd see. Yeah, yeah, the Colts were really testing my sober January last month. I tell you what, it was a it, it was a tough pill to swallow. It, it'd be one thing if the Colts were playing, you know, a good team, Tampa Bay, a good another playoff team, and they just couldn't quite get it done. But to absolutely fall on your face to Jacksonville, not just lose to Jacksonville, but to get your butts handed to you by the Jaguars, uh, absolutely humiliating. The entire team should be embarrassed and. Um, it's, it doesn't just fall on one person. I mean, we'll talk about Carson Winston. He deserves a lot of blame. That's for sure. But, but I thought one of the most, uh, glaring weaknesses in this Jaguars game was the trenches up front on both sides for a team that Chris Ballard supposedly, uh, built in the trenches. The Colts were dominated. The offensive line gave up a season high six sacks. That's double their previous high this year. And they rarely opened up any running lanes for Taylor um, when he was given opportunities to run the football. I mean, Mike, this offensive line gets paid way too much money to have a performance like this in a game like this. Yeah, and it was, you know, the, the left side was an issue. Uh, Eric Fisher and then Matt, Pry- Matt Pryor when, uh, yeah, Matt Pryor when he get, he replaced uh, Fisher apparently had a flare-up with the pectoral injury. But th- here we are again at the end of the season wondering about left tackle when, they opened the season wondering about left tackle. So, but but then there was a play where one of the key plays where Braden Smith blocks inside and he, he allows a free blitzing linebacker. So, it was you're, you're right. Everything that you thought you knew about this team, now you say really did we not have this right? And, and the the fact that you, I went back and looked and Jonathan Taylor had a fantastic season. And he's also the first league rushing champ not to make the playoffs since 2011. If that's not an indictment of your team, I don't know what is. So, uh, again, the offensive line, that's where you, you, you've in, invested your, your your evaluations and your money. And we won't get into it too much today, but later on, you got you got an, an extension for Quentin Nelson coming up. You know, and how much are, 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 you, are you going to pay Quentin Nelson, who's – Probably the best guard, one of the top two guards in the league. Are you going to make him the highest paid offensive lineman in league history? So they've got a lot of issues, many of which they entered the season with. And the offensive line, that that might be the most disappointing aspect of that game. Because who knows if a few of the the, the early third and fourth and shorts and, and, and you can sustain drives. Would things have changed? Maybe not, but we never find out because the, the offensive line was not very good. Yeah, it, it was abysmal. They made this Jaguars team look like it was 2017 again when the Jaguars went to the AFC Championship game with all those studs up front. Uh, another you know, weakness that the Colts entered the season with and is still a weakness as they exit the season, like an outside pass rush finally killed a defense that's been living off of turnovers. It's been a problem all year, but the Colts have been able to come up with turnovers, and that's kind of made up for the lack of an outside pass rush. Um, but the Colts failed to come up with a takeaway on Sunday against a team that led the league in turnovers with 29. Trevor Lawrence had all day to throw. 
and he turned in his best performance of the year. He was 23 of 32 for 223 yards and two touchdowns, sacked just one time. And like I said, that happened on the second play of the game. This is Lawrence's first multiple touchdown uh, passing game since week one. Week one. It's, It's just incredible that at a time when the Colts need it most, they absolutely just give up very little resistance. We've talked about this in the offseason. We talked about it all season long, training camp all season long, edge pass rush, edge pass rush. And they let Justin Houston walk, which I can understand. They made a push to get Danico Autry back, which too bad they didn't make a stronger push. But I think they had like combined was it 15, 16 sacks this year. And the Colts got nothing out. They got very little out number-wise out of Quiddy Pay. We're going to hear that he had a good rookie season. The numbers semi-back it up. But then Dio is, you know, coming back from the Achilles. So they, they bet on the young kids, and and it just wasn't there. Kamoko Ture was hit and miss, and they lose Taekwon Lewis early. So it's just hard to play defense when you can't get steady pressure. I always thought the takeaways were, were a crazy stat because those normally come with outside pass rush, with pass rush. And God love him, DeForest Buckner's a quality defensive tackle. He can't be your leading sack guy. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's just too easy to double-team him and focus more attention on somebody coming from the middle than it is coming from the edge. I mean, the Colts really need, whether it's Quiddy Pay really taking a step in year two, I really think even besides Bay, I mean, you start two defensive ends. They need to find someone else uh, to place opposite equity pay and get more pass rush because that could really open things up for this defense. Mike, it's time to finally talk about it. Carson Wentz was straight up bad, and his performance has been below average for the past several weeks. Against the Jaguars, he was 17 of 29 for 185 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and one fumble. 85 of those yards in his only touchdown came on the final drive of the game in garbage time. Wentz's last eight games, he has just 10 touchdowns, four interceptions, two fumbles, has averaged 170 passing yards per game, and completes 61% of his passes. Um, You know, watching this game, if I didn't know better, I would have thought Wentz was the rookie and Trevor Lawrence was the six-year veteran. Yeah, he, he, he looked at, he looked indecisive and more so as the season progressed. And he he never he ne- he didn't come here with the with the reputation of being an accurate passer. I mean an elite accurate passer. I think he's a sixty two sixty three percent for his career. But but the, the mistakes and the misses and you know, we're all gonna remember that great throw against the Cardinals in the back of the end zone, was it the Des Patman? But that, and that's great. You need to make those plays, but but make the routine plays. You know, make the one to Jack Doyle early in the game. Whether that was one Jack should have had or could have been a better pass, I don't know. We can argue that. But this is not a small sample size on Wentz not being good enough. We're talking eight games, last eight games of the season. And what's crazy is if you've got the league rushing champ, eighteen hundred yards and all this, it should be so much easier to throw the football. It just should, but that wasn't the case, and I, I don't know that they'll that, 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 that seriously entertain moving on from Wentz. 
uh, I, I, you know, it'll be tough financially. They'd take about a $15 million dead money cap hit. And, and I'm not sure what the better options are out there. And I, I shouldn't say better options. What other options are out there? But until they get the pass game fixed, uh, it's going to be a struggle because it's, you know, Chris Ballard says it's not about one guy. People who say that a lot of times have that guy. And until the Colts get this fixed, that's four years in a row with a different quarterback. Until they get that fixed, it, it, at least that quarterback, if you have that guy, I don't know who it is, Manning or Luck or Brady or Rodgers, those guys cover up other deficiencies. And you can get by with not quite this or not quite that. When the passing game's not there, it is everything is glaring. And that's the pass rush. That's the, the fact that the receivers weren't very good outside of Michael Pittman. And I, I tell you, all of a sudden I'm wondering, is he just a, a good 1B instead of a 1A? I don't know. But whenever you don't have the quarterback where he plays the way that Wentz played, it puts a spotlight on all the warts that you've got, and this team has a lot of warts. Yeah, and and I got to say, I mean, I have defended Carson Wentz on this show basically all year. I, I thought for most of the year he's played better than expectation. He's played above average football, um, it, it, and I, I just can't do it anymore. After watching these last couple of games when the Colts really needed to have it, I mean, th- this is why you go out and acquire a quarterback to give you that little something extra when the rest of your team um, is having a down game. And, you know, people can put a lot of blame on Frank Wright for maybe not getting the team ready to play. Um, I almost got to think that somebody in that locker room has to step up and be a leader in that locker room. And on the defense, that's Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard is the vocal leader of that defense. He gets guys together and DeForest Buckner is another leader on that defense. I don't know who that guy is on offense, but it needs to be the quarterback. It needs to be Carson Wentz, and I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that anywhere. I haven't seen that on the sideline during games. I haven't seen any of it during hard knocks. I have not seen Carson Wentz step up and be a leader in the locker room, on the field, uh, in, really in any aspect. And I mean, I'm not in that locker room, so maybe there's some things that I haven't seen. But I, I got to say, I, I've after watching that game on Sunday, I have kind of gone from someone who's defended Carson Wentz and someone who we need to give a chance and could be an above-average quarterback to someone who I'm going, he'll be lucky to have a job next year. And if he does and does not perform better than he does this year, he might not be a starting quarterback in the NFL any longer. Probably through midseason, I thought he was good enough. I thought he could be the long-term answer. And now I really don't – I'd have a really hard time making that argument. And the leadership thing, keep in mind there's a very good chance they're going to lose two big leaders, T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle. I think they both retire. And those are two guys who their production has been down, but their impact in the locker room has been huge. They're so – they've given us so many issues to talk about moving forward, so we'll thank him for that. But it's just still hard to believe that that, in, that game ended the season the way it did. Uh, it, Naheem Hines, we talked about, he said, he said, now this is part of our legacy. This is who we are, and we've got to come back from this. We'll see how they do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've about said all that could be said for this show. We'll definitely 
in future episodes get more into is Carson Wentz uh, someone who can how far can the Colts go with Carson Wentz is he even going to be the quarterback next year Uh, where will the Colts find more pass catchers for whoever that quarterback is there's a lot a lot to talk about during this offseason for the Indianapolis Colts and what seems like every year is a huge offseason for the Indianapolis Colts because ever since uh, Andrew Luck and Costanzo t- retired, um, the Colts have had giant shoes to fill, and I'm not quite sure they've filled them yet. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, I know it's been a painful last couple of days for Colts Nation. Um, we really appreciate it. You can follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 Follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Please subscribe and download for us. And then um, we will have our next episode coming out next week where we look forward to the offseason. So thanks again for listening and take care of yourselves, Colts fans. 